Hello, and welcome to Cooking Up a Queen, a beginner's guide to the flagrant and fanciful world of queer nightlife. Hosted by finalist of Camp One and Kiki Season 2, Coco Dream Holiday, and the Madonna of your masturbatory fantasies, Touche Douche. Now without further ado, here are your hosts. Enjoy the show. Once again, everybody, my name is Coco Gem Holiday. And my name is Touche Douche. Woo! Oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining another episode of this long-winded series we have where we like to talk about ourselves. Because we're obviously experts in these fields. (laughs) But today we decided to break from the norm because we know you guys are so excited to keep hearing us talk. We actually are bringing on a special guest this week known as the one, the only, Valerie DeVille. Yay! Hi, Valerie. Uh Hi. Hi. I mean, when you said talk about yourself, I was like, oh, well, that's my favorite thing to do. So I'll be right there and take the entire show. (laughs) Yeah, it's dangerous giving you a microphone. We've all learned. Oh, it's true. I take them home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Coco, that's what happened with yours at Barbarella. Okay, gotcha. It makes sense now. Oh, my gosh. I never went to Barbarella, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I actually just, as a side note, I lost a microphone at a show that my husband was DJing at. And like, I'm literally just waiting for that microphone to turn up. At this point, I've bought new microphones because I had to, but like, like somebody's just going to be like, oh, hey girl, this show like seven months ago before quarantine, like here's your microphone back. <laughs> I mean, I will say that maybe when everything opens up, someone, not me, but someone from The Last Laugh will be returning a microphone to CC Slaughter. Oh. <laughs> well, we won't That's tell anyone it was Wolfgang. I know, it's a secret. Oh, please. <laughs> That's one of the mannequins he's trying to get rid of. We all know it's Svetlana, please. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, I have the same problem that. with dildos. It takes seven months for me to get them back sometimes. So I really um, can relate to your struggle, Coco. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get this interview started. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so many fantastic, fun, and amazing questions I did not prepare for Valerie. And I um, did prepare so for actually, Valerie, let's... so I have questions. That's fine, but we're going to start with the easy ones first. So I did want to know, let's start with, um, where does your drag name come from, Valerie DeVille? Um, Yeah, just go ahead and explain that to us for the listeners. Okay. So, well, I mean, obviously the obvious part for DeVille is Cruella. I mean, through and through, that's, I've always been inspired by Disney villains. So that was like my favorite thing growing up as a child. Like, I I love the villains. Like, we have my very first, like, video of me as a child is me wearing a pillowcase around my waist saying that I am a stepsister and I want to go to the ball. Like Anastasia and Drusella were my girls. Like I was always, always identified with like those characters, you know, the bad characters. Cause I kind of felt like, you know, probably internally, like as a gay kid, I felt like the bad character, but they were always kind of like fabulous and funny and like, you know, always quirky and the center of attention at times or, you know, so I kind of always kind of was inspired by them. And Cruella was just like, at that time in my life, I I've gone through different phases where I've kind of felt like my inner Disney villain. So like um, I've gone through different phases and at that time in my life, Cruella was kind of it and I've always kind of gone with it. So, you know, I don't like to skin puppies, but I kind of think she's just fun and absurd and loud and fashionable and just a diva and all that good stuff. And then when it comes to Valerie, um, so the first part is, is I grew up, uh, obviously I love television as well. And so I grew up, 90210 was my favorite show. I probably was way too young to be watching it, but the minute Tiffany Amber 
thing came on my screen as Valerie Malone, like my little gay heart just exploded. I loved everything about her. She was wicked. She was not Kelly Kapowski anymore. Like, you know, she put on some weight and she was curvy and beautiful and she fucked all of the guys on the show. Can I say fuck? I just did. Um, <laughs> Uh, but she she banged all of them, even Steve, for God's sake. So I was really, like, totally into Valerie. And then on the other hand, besides, like, I wanted to exude the, the combination of, like, the sexy, fun Valerie and then the wicked Cruella and, like, absurd, cartoonish characters. And then the other thing about Valerie is my whole life, every Valerie I've met, I've actually never liked. I've <laughs> never to the point, like, every single one that I've ever met, I'm just like, God, she is a bitch. And so, like, when I was thinking, I was like, God, I want to be that bitch so <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of yeah, kind yeah. of the like thing that sealed the deal because I was also very I also love Real Housewives so it's actually going to be Camille thank god he wasn't because she's so problematic now so I was going to name myself after Camille Grammer so go, good thing I chose Valerie wow I love I love that journey there was like an up and a down a middle on the story it was the everything yeah, for me right. I needed that yeah I thought I thought long and hard about it so. <laughs> Um, so it's go ahead, go into Shay's question. Yeah, well, it's fascinating to me that you brought it up. Is you said the the villain nature of the Disney character of Cruella, and I think it's interesting to point out that a lot of queer entertainers are really drawn to villains. And I think it's because there was a lot of vilification of queerness in uh, child entertainment for a very young age. So it's just a very fascinating thing that you latched onto that and really let it grow into something that is so successful. Yeah, I definitely wanted to, like, empower that. I mean, like, growing up, I always wanted, like, villain stuff every time. And, like, I would beg for it. So, like, for Christmas, I'd get, like, a mug because it's the only thing the Disney store had. Or, like, a picture mm-hmm. frame. And I was, like, five and, like, loved it. But, you know, now I'm so much – I'm happy that, like, you know, in the last, like, five years, it's exploded. And, you know, more and more people are, you know, not afraid of the scary characters because, you know. Well, because they're amazing. I mean, uh, and they're all gay. They're all gay. They all are. I mean, him was the gayest one you could ever get on a fucking cartoon from the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, I mean, all of the all of the male villains in Disney are gay. Like they all have eyeliner, or I mean, Gaston is a big gay daddy. Oh, he could wreck me. Exactly, honey. Frollo is your typical closet case politician. Like he is Republicans today. Like we we see it, and you know, I. They're part of the community and not like a Frollo fan, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you always have the ones that you don't quite like as much, but still tolerate because you want to be inclusive. For instance, my relationship <laughs> with Ahsoka will go me and Coco. I'm the inclusive you one. Mean- <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Oh my gosh. I absolutely adore this. <laughs> this is everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> oh my goodness. So um, going back to um, some of the questions that I think Touche said she wanted to. Mm-hmm. um ask is the fact that um so well real briefly uh, how long have you been performing again um this is gonna be my 10th year Ooh. i've been doing drag for 10 years yes yeah. wow i'm a lot i'm a lot older than you probably think i am i i do like if you want to share it with our listeners oh. how old you are that's really fine <laughs> no i'm 30 i'm 32 so really so you've been doing drag you're 22 years old well i was 23 so at the end of this year i was when i kind of started oh wow. crazy yep, so crazy so this that, is what my future holds okay <laughs> <laughs> gotta get, bust your ass girl mm-hmm. <laughs> and not with dicks oh <laughs> party party <laughs> cheers although i mean like who hasn't gotten jobs that way mm-hmm. never me no so i do have a question then about that so you've been doing drag for about 10 years in this scene and um 
so do you oh so we're in quarantine by the way when this episode comes out i don't know what quarantine will be like um uh specifically when this episode releases so right now as we're filming we're in quarantine so i'm going to ask a couple questions about that as well so were you a full-time drag is was that your main source of income uh before quarantine yeah so i make most of my money um working doing drag and all my drag gigs and etc. And then I like had a backup job at a mall that was originally like I was doing a favor for a friend mm-hmm. over Christmas. And then I ended up just kind of working there just like as something to do during the day to busy myself. And, you know, it's nice. It was nice having like, you know, extra money that, I, you know, because drag isn't always consistent. So I kind of got used to just having, you know, that $112 a week I was making was <laughs> <laughs> selling cheap crystal. I mean, classy, classic <laughs> Austrian crystal. Um, Yay. But so, that. yeah, so I did that. So I've always kind of like, but for the, so, I mean, like I went to college and I graduated and rather than like getting a real job, I went back to the only job I ever had, which was working in tanning salons and slinging tans to people. And the truly only for, real profession uh, for anybody. Well, for the soulless, you yes. For <laughs> it's it's for gay men with no well with somewhat of a soul, but who want to be tan and fabulous, uh, probably have self esteem issues, and then uh, soulless uh, girls who are uh, more interested in their phone and being so tan that it's like I can't even imagine melanoma. <laughs> melanoma. I love melanoma. that they're. I call them oompa loompa factories. Is really what I call tanning salons. I mean, I would I. I used to be the queen of the spray tan and now I just can't even like, I can't even think of like stepping in a booth without like gagging and having diarrhea at the same time. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine seeing you with the spray tan. That would be literally everything. <laughs> oh, I mean, you just need to go party. back and look at old pictures of Val. She was, <laughs> she was orange. Uh, back- <laughs> <laughs> but I also, I also used to, back when I was much thinner, I didn't wear tights and I had shaved bronze beautiful legs and that was like one of my calling cards was like of I was the bare legged the bare legged queen and yeah these that's, that's a party. everything I love that so much so when I you did. when you started as a queen what's changed like what was it like when you were doing this 10 years ago different than what it is now uh, it was a thousand percent different like mm-hmm. when I started doing drag like I went to I searched drag queens Portland on Google and the Embers Angel Fire website came up. Uh, it, this was 2010, and it was a, like an old poster from like 2009, and like you couldn't see anything. Like there was no way. Like it was hard to like figure out how to break into the scene, having mm-hmm. not like grown up here. And so, um, really, I didn't really know what to do. So, uh, I did. Uh, so the first thing I did was I went to, I did Portland Drag Race at Red Cap, R.I.P. Mm, you, yeah. you guys have heard of I Red Cap. I don't, I don't think Red it Cap registers really cool. as Autumn like, is important, so she doesn't talk about it. Ah, yeah. well, Autumn wouldn't, it's, yeah. So, I mean, it's before her time. Red Cap was <laughs> um, right down the street from Scandals. Um, it's like where that's like that, that like food, it's like a bunch of little mini restaurants are, but basically it was mm-hmm. three bars bo- combined in one. There was boxes, um, fish grotto and red cap, and they were all connected by a big hallway. Okay. So you could bar hop and stay inside. Um, so it was really cool. So I, the first thing I did, cause it's the only thing I could find and there was a post for it was for newbies is Portland drag race hosted by poison waters at the red cap and um so that was the first thing i did um so it was kind of hard breaking into it um 
way back then where now there's so many more opportunities, maybe because of myself, I like to be a person that gives those opportunities. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it was very hard. Like I said, like uh, at the Embers, I went there and like, it was back in the day, you were a new queen. Like they all, there was barely anywhere for, to perform. So a new person coming on the scene, they were extra cautious about. Um, CeCe's was so intimidating. Like they only have the one drag show. Garcelle's, it's like, how would you even think of like getting to work there? So Red Cap was the only other place that kind of had drag and made it, and it was the only place that had something that was accessible to new queens. That's really cool. I mean, I don't think they really have one venue like that anymore. There's a couple options and you even create a space like that called Drag Danger Zone, right? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. How did that come to be? What was like the ideas behind that? So the Drag Danger Zone kind of like came together like for, as an idea, like I got asked to do it. I, I actually was covering for their original host who uh, canceled and then I've been there ever since. Um, but basically I love the concept and the idea of it. So Ms. Aurora, and she's the DJ and producer, and then Marla Darling, who did Dragathon, another competition with me. Um, they, they came up with the concept and pitched it to um, uh, Crush. And then once it came on with me, I took, you know, full force was, you know, happy to be kind of a third head there and, you know, help recruit people, get, you know, new queens and give that opportunity. I absolutely loved the idea of it. I mean, there's, so many queens that have come through there that are su- successful now and have like big shows that their first step on the stage was at the drag danger zone. Are there any people that wow. specifically come to mind that have like really succeeded from that show? Um, like, you know, uh, Mars has a show right now that she mm-hmm. has on tonight. Um, really? She started there. Loretta Good Lord Child, her very first drag performance was on the Ooh. drag danger zone. Stewie Seidel's first drag performance was on at the drag danger zone. I'd love to wow. see that. Um, <laughs> who else? Oh, she, I, it was, she, yeah, she, she was so nervous. It was so cute. Um, who else? Um, you know, there's been quite a few there, but a lot of people also came through like when I was doing Dragathon and like, um, comedy is a drag slash lip waffler of all these other competitions. Right. Um, so like, you know, uh, Claire apparently uh, started off in those, uh, you know, doing those shows, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. I mean, how many competitions or in shows have you really like been involved with? Cause you've named so many within just the last few uh, sentences of our conversation. Um, like how many just, I have an estimate. Can you even think of that you've been involved with? Probably five or six. Five or maybe six. Seven, maybe seven. Okay. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragathon, Portland Drag Race. Um, I competed in Elite Queen. Um, the comedy competition that I produced. I did Miss Sweethearts. I competed mm-hmm. for Miss Gay Pride. I did Miss Cece Slaughters. Um, wow, that's the list so just keeps you, going on. Did you win Miss? <laughs> Gay Pride or what? Which one you did you say? Um, Miss Gay Pride was the first competition like pageant I did. Um, it was way back, way back in the day. I ran against a queen named Allie McQueen, who, who we both were at Hamburger Mary's at the time. She was very popular. I was not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Autumn, uh, another Autumn, but Autumn Cities was her name, and we uh, did it, and I lost, and it was a learning experience. I, of course, being a uh, self-involved Virgo, thought that my package was everything, and that I should have As definitely we slayed the day. But I mean, like, I had busted makeup, and I didn't know what I was doing, and barely practiced, and who knows how what I got? Probably third. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Miss Gay Pride, yeah, that was. Um, 
my first experience with the court, and it was my last experience with the court. Oh, amen. There's That's a common theme tea. we hear. <laughs> That's a common theme we're hearing these days. Yes, it is. Um, so my question is, um, so uh, what titles have you, so what titles have you held? There we go. Um, so I won the first Dragathon, um, which was a big competition that ran for uh, six years here. Oh, wow. Um, I did, um, I won Miss Sweetheart um, the same year, the same week, actually, I won Dragathon. So I had two crowns at the same time for a whole year. It was fucking Whoa. awesome. Um, and I, well, uh, I won Elite Queen, which is now Supreme Queen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Let's um, not talk about Queen now. The, I thought that's what the color theme was. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see after. We'll see. We'll see after the pandemic. I'm just gonna do with control. I'm just gonna go there. I'm just as long as my check clears, like I'm good. Man, <laughs> I'm. I did my work, and it was good work. But and then Miss CC Slaughters is my favorite. Um, uh, there's a little backstory to it. So uh, it had ran. It'd been running for a couple of years. It was an old title that had been revived by Shaniqua Bolt. And it ran a couple of years. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, and she like, was like, you know, you need to run for it. You need to run for it. And so I was, I was advertising and, you know, a dear, a dear friend of mine who I had competed with all the way back at Portland Drag Race um, messaged me and said, oh, I see you're competing. I'd love to come see you compete. It would be so wonderful um, to see you. Like, give me the details. And they gave her the details. And I showed up the night of the pageant, and she was also running. Oh. And she won. Oh, oh no. But, but she was unable to fulfill her duties, so I got the crown, and then CC's ended the title. So I'm now forever Mrs. C- Mrs. CC Slaughters. Well, I wonder why they ended the title. They did Elite Queen. Oh, that would make <laughs> okay. more sense then. Yep. Which so then they, you won, though. <laughs> I deserved it. Now, the funny story is it, um, so it was, it's just kind of funny, but um, just like kind of how it is. And they had like the saddest coronation. Like there was like nobody there. It's, it, we did it on a Sunday night at, at the Diva show. And like, it was just like a weird weekend, like in the summer where like everyone was probably out because the weather was hot or hungover. And so it was right. like me and like my aunt and her two coworkers just like oh. drunk and screaming oh. for me. The aunt and uh, coworker it, it, story. I know it was amazing. Oh. The, the crown was missing stones, and they didn't even care. It was just like it's, it's <laughs> one of my absolute favorite moments of my entire career. It's just like this <laughs> moment with CC Slaughters. I mean, that just I mean, sounds I, so on brand for you. I love that entire that story. Does sound on brand for you. <laughs> it does it really does? I mean, it's my the endings. To my stories are usually pretty sad but hilarious. Well, it's interesting to me because you have. Um, when it comes to this competition world, like since, you know, I met you, um, so I met you a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, listeners, as the recording of filming this, like it's going to be my one year in Portland as of a week of recording this. So that's wow. kind of crazy. Um, but I met Valerie roughly about a year ago and I, I never pictured this tall high heels I could never wear, um, you know, very um, exaggerated drag makeup artist who apparently just, you know, holds all of these titles. Because I met Valerie when I believe she was the winner of Elite Queen. Because that mm-hmm. was last year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, because the second one was supposed to be, yeah, 
exactly. So yeah, I was like, and so I was like, oh gosh, I was like, so she's just a triple threat. I was like, come on. Cause I didn't know it was a competition, um, comp- like a weekly competition mm-hmm. title. And so I was just like, wow. So tell me, let's go into that a little bit since we're talking about competitions mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so what were the challenges like for Elite Queen and like, how did you come out on top? Um, well, I would definitely say that like Elite Queen, like compared to like having competed in Dragathon so long ago, like Elite Queen was so much harder, even though I'd been doing drag for so much longer because I felt like I had so much more to like uphold. Like I was the old bitch in the group. Like there was no lie. Like I was uh, the person, well, I was the Elite Queen, obviously. Um, <laughs> but it, so I, it, so each competition, like I felt like I had to like nitpick every single little detail it had to be extra 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 my performances had to be brand new and wow. something that I hadn't done 9,000 times that I was used to which is very uncomfortable for me like you know I like doing you know something that I'm prepared for so it was it was very difficult and you know when they said you're gonna jello wrestle which I did not agree to because <laughs> Inanna messaged me a bajillion times trying to get me to do the fucking show and then uh, that was never included. And then like three episodes, like three weeks in, they're like, oh, this, we're doing jello wrestling this week. And I was just like, if I don't get one of those tiny little bitches that I can throw around, I'm going to be so mad because <laughs> I am weak. I am, I am, and I don't know if, you, I don't know, did you guys see that week? No, I never saw any of the Elite Queens. Because no, everyone who took a photo of me Jello wrestling probably knew, like, if I post this, I'm dead. Like, because it, <laughs> it was, I wrestled Ramona, and Ramona is or now, um, who is... Uh, Kiara. Now, Kiara, she now goes with Kiara. So then she was Ramona, um, and she, uh, Kiara was so strong. And I was like, shit. And like, so like, I, and like, I was like, okay, well I can be wiry. And I also, so like, I also grew up watching professional wrestling and I was like, so clearly Kiara is the hero and I am the villain <laughs> for her to fucking, cause you know, half the people in that room were like, fuck, I want to jump on that fucking bitch and push her face in jello. Uh-huh. And we went last. So what started off as beautiful red and green jello cubes was now brown soup that was more like more like in between like lube and corn syrup where it was you felt like it would glide but then it would grip to everything um yeah and I like the minute yeah and literally and I was also super mad because I what I again was really tricksy and I went in for the quick pin and stunned Ramona, she, like she, or Kiara, and she didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, uh, Olivia's like laughing and not counting. And I was like, <laughs> 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 that sounds like, like a she, Bolivia like, thing. The, the look on her face was like, oh no. And like, Bolivia would never be scared of me, but I think she knew. She was like, oh shit. Like, and so the rest of it, which went on for way too long, was me like a struggling. Buffalo being strang- strangled by the lioness who clearly deserved to win, but I refused to be like, I'm not going down. I was like, I'm not flipping. There's Buffalo. No like, it was, yeah, it's just it's an image from Discovery because, yeah, I was bigger than her and not stronger than her. Like, I threw my wig and, like, it was just visible. And um, Cece's t- gave me a very nice present afterwards. I'm so sorry. Isn't that nice of them? <laughs> That's so sweet. 
Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Uh, so um, did you win that week? Or did you, did the competition work where they were winning on weeks? Or Yeah, so um, I won a couple of weeks. I won the first week. I was the surprise. Like everyone thought I was there just as a random person. And I showed up as the 10th contestant. Mm-hmm. And I won the first week because of course they were all literally shamboozled because every single one was just like, oh shit. Uh, which I mean, I, I would have too. Um, right. So I won a couple of weeks, but you know, Devlin won a few weeks, Sue won a few weeks, uh, Kiara won a few weeks. So it was, um, it was a good competition. It was very uh, even. I mean, people mm-hmm. said it wasn't fair. And it's like, no, I was just really that good. Oh, okay. And, and what keeps bringing you really back <laughs> to competitions? Like what keeps yeah, drawing definitely. you to do them? Because you've done a lot of them now over the decade. Um, and there's got to um, be something that draws you back. I just really like it. I think um, a lot of people are afraid of them. And I like kind of just being kind of the person that does like the scary things that normal people would be scared of. Cause I mean like elite queen, uh, you know, people were expecting, you know, queens like that I started with, you know, from back in the day, like to be doing it. And we got a lot of new queens, which is fine. But like CC's when I was told that it was looking for more of like established queens. Cause they wanted to have like more of like, cause new queens like can either be like really good or like there's always kind of like a, uh, and you know, a different, skill level essentially you can um, look at me it's fine <laughs> but i'm saying like when they were so i felt kind of bad when i did it because i didn't really know who was doing it and so like you know they wanted a certain skill level and it was all different skill levels but everyone did really good so i just that's cool i love to that's hear that really sort of cool. thing especially yeah. a good blend of old like the older more established people and the newer ones really coming together because you can see especially with the more popularization in mainstream of drag that there is almost like different uh styles even emerging so you get the new queens who are really doing such a different style mm-hmm. of drag than people who have been established and doing it for a long time and seeing how they interpret things differently is really really cool to watch yeah, that's what I love about like now having my competitions. It's like I love to have that variety. Like I crave for it, um, and that's what I like about producing those different things. Like you know, with the comedy uh, back when I did Dragathon, like I always tried to make sure I got people from different you know areas. Like you know, getting Bougie Cherry and Brittany on their first opportunities to kind of come to Portland regularly wow. and Dragathon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, and, uh, asking them to come all the way out and. Uh, you know, Lady Bits, we gave her, um, you know, at the Drag Danger Zone, like that. And now she just, you know, produces her own shows. So they're your uh, fault is what you're saying. Quite a few. Yeah. Yep. They're, well, <laughs> I mean, I give, I give them the boost and, you know, they go wherever. I mean, it's not my problem. Like, <laughs> I love sorry. that plausible deniability there. I was like, you created three monsters who I hate. No, <laughs> But no, that's cool because all of them are really talented in their own ways. And mm-hmm. like, so that's kind of cool that they got their platforms and their starts that way. Yeah, it's just like they're all my children. So like the older I get, I become have become motherly over like, you know, 30 drag queens. So I kind of think <laughs> of myself as like Portland's Miss Hannigan. Like I have all these drag queens that have like come through my orphanage and, you know, I've shown them the ways and, you know, hike their skirts up and <laughs> stuff their stuff their chests and throw some glitter on their faces or whatever and you know give them that opportunity to you know express their art and you know now they're all doing different things and you know. right yeah yeah and that's really cool that you really do that because you know I'm rather new in this um, I'm just coming up on my first year being in it 
um, on June 29th, so within the next month. Uh, and you're one of the, pe- thank you, you're one of the people that's been established that has really uh, gone out of your way to really be welcoming to people is something I noticed. Um, was there someone in your past that gave you that opportunity? Because uh, I do know that you have a very predominant drag mother that you also have a good relationship with. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I mean, obviously she would be the one who gave me that opportunity. Because mm-hmm. um, like I said, it was just like striking out um, you know, I kind of could see why it was intimidating. Not that I had the best makeup, but um, mm-hmm. I used to, you know, be emaciated and, you know, have, you know, long ass legs. And back when Valerie was just a blonde and before she had the black and white hair, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I could see a lot of queens being intimidated. You know, there's certain crowds that, you know, are, you know, you know the certain crowds that are unwelcoming in this town. You know, yes. they favored, you know, one of the certain bars. So, you know, I really right. didn't have the opportunities, but once I went to Hamburger Mary's, like, uh, Honeybee gave me my opportunity. Like, I don't remember where she saw me. I think it might have been at Miss Gay Pride. And she told me to come to come to see or come to uh, see her at uh, the Honeybee Heart Show. And I could do a guest appearance there. And halfway through my first night there, she was like, will you come back every single Friday and Saturday night for our show? And I was like, of course. And it was like a little family. It was me, Honeybee. And my drag sister Violet, and we kind of were like, you know, Lady Tremaine and the stepsisters putting on a cabaret show. We oh, did lots, cool. of, lots of Disney shit, and you know, we did routines, lots of you know Broadway and stuff like that. And we had a male performer that performed with us regularly, and um, some other queens from the other shows would come in. Like Lala would come in from Ali's World, and uh, occasionally we'd get like Isaiah in from uh, what was his show called Diva Variety. Um, so wow. yeah, for Alexis Campbell star was the, the MC and like the first time we've heard Alexis on the, the mic, like introducing, it was just like, I just was fell in love with her instantly and like kind of stalked her and made her become my friend. Hmm. Um, that's crazy. Sounds like yes. what I did with Coco and Donna. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta like pick those people out and create your, like your network. And so like, you right. know, when I started out, like, you know, Alexis had, wasn't even, I, she may have just gotten onto Darcells when I um, started out. So like she had just started there. Like I knew her and Courtney auditioned for the same spots. And then um, I believe Alexis got it and they gave it to Courtney later. I might be mixing up, but they brought Courtney on anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be getting that mixed up. So uh, yeah, it was just really, it, that, that was kind of like my little like family or whatever, like, you know, whatever happened, the business itself was ran people have their own opinions about it and Mm -hmm. i'm not going to get into that um but the actual entertainment was so fun so good i mean like uh me and my drag sister violet and baby more aka baby cities who was 16 at the time ran the very first portland drag brunch called the babes who brunch which is a name i believe that's angelica deville's name but our Mm -hmm. that was our brunch was way back in the day hamburger mary's you know doing babies who brunch Sunday mornings and you know it was under eight you know all ages and so we'd have queens from the escape come I mean baby would come from steam the next night <laughs> the <morning> over. <laughs> wow it was it was a good time so you can find those old posters of the three of us from way back in the day you know in our Ross dresses and our shake and go wigs and you know dancing and shaking our fannies around that's hamburgers so cool. and, and omelets so gosh i really wish hamburger mary's there was another hamburger mary's here number one i like the food at hamburger mary's it was good. um 
like, and obviously not just because I was on camp on a Kiki and like, I feel like they own me now, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I do. I like a hamburger Mary's and I like a hamburger Mary's environment when it comes to drag. Like, because I always feel like hamburger Mary's like really put emphasis on like, like the drag itself and like respecting entertainers and trying to provide good dressing rooms and like really trying to make drag artists like feel valued like they're part of a family they're part of a staff they're you know co-workers and stuff like that so yeah it's cool uh, that you got to perform there yeah before they closed yeah before they closed and i loved it because it kind of like my style of drag is i kind of always have wanted to be like cruella or a disney villain at disneyland and so like getting into interact with like younger people and stuff like that was really fun and like i got to live my life and kind of be this like character and interact Mm -hmm. with people and kind of give them that like sass and you know stuff like that and it was just really fun kind of like having that interaction and so I've always done that so if whatever I go to a show or to a new venue I'll always try to make sure that um you know I try to go up to tables even if they don't want to talk to me it's like <laughs> I'm a six seven drag queen in heels like you're gonna look at me and you're gonna <laughs> listen to what I have to say and you're probably gonna laugh and if you don't laugh you're not going to like it. <laughs> you know, I take that all back from, you know, my training ground back in Hamburger Mary's. You know, I learned my lessons, like, mm-hmm. not to get drunk and squirt a woman with ketchup. And, <laughs> you know, not oh. to think that, like, I was a spider and think that I could, like, climb on, you know, bars and, like, oh, that drag queen definitely smacked her head. But, you know, you perform through that concussion, you reshift your wig, and you just keep on dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. So we t- we had a couple more questions about competitions. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to know, um, and actually it's one of two shades questions here. What, how do you feel like a person should present themselves in a competition? Um, and actually think- let's be specific too. Let's talk about dressing rooms. Let's okay. like, cause obviously there's a place that the contestants have to be. It's usually a dressing room. They're usually together. I haven't seen a venue big enough to where they're separated. So let's talk <laughs> about like dressing room behavior at a competition. And go. Okay, dressing room behavior at the competition. One, um, you just got to have respect for everybody. You can't be, you know, I'm the messiest drag queen in the world, as you guys have probably seen me, like, when I arrive and just, like, throw my suitcase out. Uh, Don't be Mm -hmm. like that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I just think that, like, just kind of, like, having common respect for everybody and... And don't be that person, like, even if you're having it, because, I mean, like, I've gotten in many a cat fight in my day mm-hmm. in, in dressing rooms, especially during competitions. And it's all just, like, pent-up bullshit. And I just think that people just need to be adults and, you know, follow the rules. Re- give everyone the respect that you'd want to, you know, receive, and everyone should be fine. And, and respect the bar itself and, like, the space. Like, you know, you know, assess the situation. Don't think you own the place. You know, even if you're there three, three, four weeks in, people get more comfortable and, you know, that respect kind of starts to slide. And I think it's just like kind of always having that personal mentality of like, you know, I'm here as a guest. This is not my space. You know, I'm going to treat it with, you know, respect. I'm not going to steal things. I'm not going to do all that bullshit. I think that's really important to think about from the competition, but also just in general, because this podcast is really geared towards new people entering the world of queer nightlife. Um, And that's something really helpful to know is you need to keep it professional because there are people who do this professionally. This is their main source of income. So they don't want you in here with your, you know, bullshit because you're just treating this like a hobby or you're just having fun hanging out with your friends. So it's something I think really people should pay attention to. 
Yeah, and I think that like it's something like the more you see it, the more you you'll get it. Like, yes, there's gonna be like catty bitchiness or like mm-hmm. sassiness and reading. Like that's normal. That's what we want, and you need to. And that's like what makes the backing backdressing room fun. Mm-hmm. But it's like when it starts to get below that fun level, where like things are starting to get petty, things are starting to get like really like awkward, where you could like cut the tension with a knife. When it's just like, um, like do I have to fart to make something like fucking. <laughs> change like I don't know what's to happen so I just think that like you know just kind of just like keep that keep yourself in check and it's hard with like drinking etc mm-hmm. and all that stuff so I think it's just like the more you do it the more you get it yeah that makes sense that does make sense and don't spread out anybody any all of the new people listening to this do not spread out in the dressing room I just need to throw that out there I'm going to reiterate that point like four more times <laughs> drives me up a wall I feel you know what? Touche does that right now. <laughs> Touche does that. She gets to the gig way too early because she paints at the venue. Um, by the way, you want to paint at a venue, that's fine, but it's never going to look as great as when you paint at home. Anyway, um, just, so and then you get there and you spread out all your makeup, you spread out all your bags, you spread out all your wigs, and it's like, okay, I'm good to go. And then everybody gets there, like, I guess there's just not room for my stuff. <laughs> yeah, if it, yeah. When that happens and it starts flooding and like you know people are hanging up there like to like forever 21 outfits and it's like <laughs> wow i had no idea that we switched over to the gay portland tea podcast my oh goodness my just come for me I know, that was probably shady i'm sure they're beautiful but it's also like those can stay in the plastic bag you brought them in girl like yeah don't be, fucking, don't be spreading out for no reason or like you know no most definitely you. that's actually Respect one of the everyone's there yeah and that's one of the lessons that i learned rather quickly and I I still do it sometimes because I'm not a perfect person but it's something that you know we talked about in one of our episodes for new people like their first time at a show Uh, don't ever take up the entire space just take up what you need and even maybe less than because you're like kind of a guest in there right now you're not like set in stone someone who's supposed to be there at the moment yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah so um I want to talk a little bit about, so uh, I think it's probably in here. I just wasn't reading, but so me and Touche participated in Valerie's petition known as Last Laugh. Um, The competition actually had to get cut short. And I'm going to make this side note here that I'm super sad it got cut short because those last three weeks were the things I was most strong (laughs) at. And because seriously, roast, those are my things. Parody songs are also my things. And stand-up is also one of my things. And guess where we stopped at? (laughs) All three of those. (laughs) Hey, hey, I plan on it coming back. If everyone's willing to come back, we're going to pick up right where we left off. We'll probably have to have a catch-up episode week maybe throw in a couple of extra weeks for fun or something like that. But yeah, I still want us all to come back because every year it just gets better and better. Even the, the name change, the name it is bad, but it gets, everything else gets better. <laughs> it's, it's I think it's perfect. Actually, the name has actually, changed every time. <laughs> I, but I kind of want to keep the last laugh. I will have to give credit to Patrick Buckmaster. He did come up with it, uh, but it is genius. Yeah, I like that name, and it was a really great competition, and I just needed to get that vent off there. But yeah, me and Touche participated, and so this is kind of a weird, weird um, concept here, but I want to talk about um, things that have already happened, obviously, because it's not, like, ruining anything. And then we don't actually know our scores or whatever at this point, especially if it comes back, but, like, um, so the first week, I think that Touche was in the top first week, that's right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. With your, because uh, Touche, uh, tell our listeners what you did for your concept. Yes. So the audition week, I had a public demonstration on how to stuff and baste a turkey in a rendition of Martha Stewart. Um, and based on audience reception, I believe the number went over quite well with my arm up the turkey's ass. 
Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, yeah. She also had pornographic sounds <laughs> oh, right, um, yeah, yeah. while she was stuffing the turkey. It was um, yeah. really involved. <laughs> it was a fun was number. A, um, I mean, it was, such a, it was such a strong night. I mean, everyone really brought like their best that they could do. And it was so great to see it. It was. was. It was so interesting. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I did have a question. Maybe this is some behind-the-scenes tea of the competition here. But um, you, at the last second, like, you had, you're like, these are the people who made it. And then, like, out of nowhere, it was, like, five minutes later, it was like, wait a second. And then, like, you pulled, like, I think it was Beatrix, I think, into the competition. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because you told us it was going to be, like, ten people, and then suddenly it was eleven, or it was, like, nine people, and then it was ten. I don't remember. But was that, like, an was that like an accident? Like you really miscalculated or what, what was the story behind that? Yeah. So the thing was, is um, uh, it was a combination of two things is one Beatrix had joined that day and first I already had everyone else drilled in my mind. And so like my memory had not put her in the list yet, like as a like mental staple. Um, but also there was a tie for the bo- the la- the two lowest the two scores like kind of like differentiated between ninth and tenth place mm-hmm. were the exact same and so mm-hmm. at that point we were just like okay well CC said maybe you know up to ten people um, even though we had really agreed on like nine based on like the competitions and the evenness and how it would make sense more mm-hmm. um, so at that point we were like okay well we'll just do the ten and like so we all kind of voted me uh, Svetty, Loretta and Wolfgang and so we were just like okay we'll we'll go with the 10 and so that was that was why we did 10 and then it was my fault I forgot to to call Beatrix because with all of that and the mixture and then her just signing up that day it was not the best for her to be announced to not be announced but um, <laughs> you know CC's came up and we're like Beatrix is in the show right we want to make sure that like you know because you know they're involved with everything so they know everything that's going on. And so they were like, uh, why didn't you stay here? And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a great moment though, just seeing her face crack as she came on that stage. She was just like, all right, I guess I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, it was like, so great. Yeah. So it was, um, so that was uh, the, the tea behind that was, it was a, my me not remembering her, her name at that moment. And, uh, and at, at times that's fine. That's really fun. So my favorite, so I wanted to talk about, because Chuchasia got to say hers, and then we did some mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes tea. One of my favorite moments from the show, because um, I drink a lot, and so I forget things, um, mm-hmm. was, <laughs> so one of, the many, one of the many challenges things that we did at the start was um, Valerie, like, put us all in this, like, weird order, which probably there was a method to the madness. I don't ever care. I was just like, okay, I'm fifth, I'm fifth, sixth, I'm last, I'm first, whatever. Um, <laughs> and so... What happened was the the competition was like to do a hosting thing. Like you're going to host on the person after you. And I got the beautiful opportunity of going last because whoever was last got to host on Valerie as like they were the next person and whatever. And I remember like, it was like person number like six. And like, I was like trying to prepare some, prepare some jokes and like be funny. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Cause I've been show producing for a while at this point and I was like in like because you get wrapped up in your mind with competitions and so I remember at the last second I was like standing by the microphone and I actually went back and I actually took Rogue Safari's drink and I said here I need this and she's like what I was like oh you'll see and then so like I walk out on stage acting like I don't care about anybody sipping my drink as you do (laughs) (laughs) 
and then just made fun of the audience and just like did the whole thing. And like, and I did, I won that mini challenge. And I was just thinking to myself so much that like, we really do become different people in competitions. Mm -hmm. Like you're trying so hard to do what you think the judges want you to do and that you lose yourself and you can't like, you end up like not giving them anything because you lose yourself. They're like, well, we'd like to see a little bit of you. Like this was like, this is, but Wolfgang is going to love this week and it didn't cater to anybody else but Wolfgang and then you don't win and you're like what happened <laughs> yes exactly I know how the, uh, I, yes I re- remember that in Elite Queen it was just like I was like why am I overthinking this like they're they like oh we want to see like we want to see you dance we want to see you move and like to me, it was like, oh, okay, I have to do one of these young contemporary numbers, which instead I did my favorite Nicki Minaj song, which is With It. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, and they didn't, um, uh, they they were just like, what are you doing? When I was like, okay, I probably should have done something ridiculous, like the Macarena or like, that, like showing them, like made fun of them wanting to see me dance and being like, okay, well, this is the kind of dance you're getting rather than like getting wrapped up and being like, oh my God, I have to learn a dance routine. I need to practice. I need mm-hmm. to do this. And it was just like, that's absolutely not you. Right. And I think that's something that, you know, everyone needs to remember in competitions because Last Laugh was like my first real competition I have done since doing drag because I'm still really new to this. So seeing the difference in what the judges want versus what you have and blending those together can really mess with someone's head. So it's interesting that you point out that uh, you want to bring yourself to the challenges rather than craft the challenges for what the judges want to see. So that's, I think something really important um, that a lot of people who are going into these competitions need to remember that this is still highlighting your art and what you're bringing to the table, uh, but through the lens of what other people want to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I did want to, I did want to tag onto that because we do have a lot of new listeners. It's a show for, you know, cooking up a queen, how to, you know, become a new drag artist and things like that. And a lot of you will probably be thinking to yourself that you want to be on Drag Race and things like that. What I always find so stupid um, uh, about Drag Race in general is when you get people backstage who, I mean, in their confessional, they're being like, uh, I just wanted to try this new thing. I've never done it before. Why would you go on national TV and do something <laughs> you don't know how to do at all? Like whenever they do the all-stars episodes, they're like, well, I wanted to show the fans something new. Like they know I can dance. So I want to like try to spit fire or sing a song. And I've never sang before in drag ever. And it's like, why would you do that to yourself? Like you are on a national competition show. These people don't know you. Guess what? Your fans, they also don't know you. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, do what you love. Like, it's just like Brooklyn Heights, when she did her, when she knew she was in the bottom, she did the thing where she was, um, you know, had her Afro thing in her, like, reveal. or whatever. Mm-hmm. That reveal, I've been seeing it for seven years. I mean, the, cause the reaction on Rue and Michelle alone, because, like, they'd never seen that. Like, a wig, full outfit. Tri- I mean, it, it was shocking. And, you know, you got to pull out all those tricks. You do. And like, so go, like, so my thing is for competition, do what you do best. It's nice to try to do something nice and new and whatever, but like sometimes you need to rest on the things you're confident in doing and then maybe just changing it up a little bit from there. Uh, so my next question that I, unless Tisha, you had one for Valerie. Oh, no, not at all. Go ahead. Okay, good. Okay, good. Cause I have so many questions. Oh my God. <laughs> Ask them your questions. Oh my God. It's so many questions. She's a um, smart queen. She's a nerdy queen. She's a research uh-huh. queen. I love it. <laughs> so, um, 
So you've already answered my question about last laugh, like might possibly come back, which is great. But do you consider yourself to actually be a comedy queen or do you feel like that you got pushed into that market and you're trying to claw your way out or cause you do a lot of theatrical numbers too. Um, but so what, so tell me a little bit about that. It's like, do you, do you consider yourself to be a campy comedy queen? Um, I mean, I think that I have um, versatility, but uh, I mean, like, my main focus, like, I always want to make people laugh. Like, my performances, like, are usually, like, um, I'm going to have, like, you know, even if I'm going to do memories from cats, I'm going to do it as grumpy cat. Like, you know, I'm going to have something that's, like, a little bit, like, you know, my brand, like, you know, mm-hmm. everything's shoved through a Valerie filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I just kind of, rather than, like, having, like, you know, being pushed into one category comedy campy whatever like I just want kind of my style to be Valerie and like like have my it's like my my brand of drag like, oh uh you know most campy queens like have big elaborate outfits and it's like I wear slutty cocktail dresses and you know look like you know the cool mom at the Pizza Hut party. Like, that's yeah, what I want to so be. So many slutty cocktail and dresses. They're, I... they're to main account. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you know, well, I mean, they only last about one wear, so that's why there's a lot. Um, uh, so, I just, like, kind of, like, I want it to be, like, my brand of things, you know, where people say, like, oh, well, that's so Valerie. Like, I have people, like, they'll hear a song, they're like, oh, my God, this song is a Valerie song, or, you know, that dress is a Valerie dress. Like, so I just kind of want it to be, like, my own niche. So, like, it's the things that I enjoy, like, the campy makeup, but I enjoy, you know, kind of, like, doing new age songs, but I also love doing show tunes and, you know, doing the whole showgirl look occasionally. And, you know, sometimes I want to dress up and, you know, look like a pageant queen and make them all eat their words and, you know, I just like kind of having, you know, I feel like you can, I, it, people who love having one, mm-hmm. you know, being in a niche is fine. But for me, I like having a lot of different, you know, hats that I wear, which is why I probably am one of the only queens who's had shows in almost every single bar in town. Mm-hmm. I mean, name it from local lounge to, you know, scandals to, you know, stag. Mm-hmm. CC's. You had a show at Stag. I hosted brunch there, mm-hmm. um, and I actually hosted before it was Stag. There was another bar there called the Royale, and I hosted shows there. Um, wow. I hosted, yeah. And so, um, I mean, like, I performed everywhere. I mean, to the point, like, I'm the longest running performer at the Velvet Ropes, uh, for the very first trans friendly show uh, in town. Yes, um, called wow. Trans. It was way back in the day called Transtasia. Um, and also um, the first pansexual show. I'm still in there called Pandemonium, hosted by Nikki Lev, my sister. Um, so, you know, I've performed everywhere, whether it's like, you know, a corporate event, you know, at Nike doing bingo for a bunch of ladies in an office to uh, I host a summer camp workshop for an art school every summer and teach kids, you know, how to channel their inner queen. And, you know, they learn about divine and uh, you know, they all put up, they get ready and they like little kids put on drag performances, you know, it's really fun. And wow, that's I've been everywhere. Of, well, I have a question for you. And actually, um, just, it's kind of a side note, because I've noticed this here. And I because remember, I've only lived here a year now. I've performed mm-hmm. quite a few places. I've thrown a bunch of shows. I've done my karaoke's and things like that. I've done a lot in my year. Would you say you're um, an up in everybody's business, Coco, like everyone else says? <laughs> Yes, exactly. So my thing that I'm super confused by is why do none of these venues stay open for very long? 
<laughs> like, I mean, I, I've seen it. Like, I, used to, I used to think it was, I honestly used to think it was me because I went through a period of like every bar that I worked at closed, starting with Hamburger Mary's and then the Royale and then the Sandy Hut closed for a while. Um, so, I mean, like I had kind of a bad reputation in my mind about that, but I just really don't know why these places like don't last very long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of like we, there's like, a few staple bars that people always go to, but even they're struggling half the time. It just, I really, I honestly, it baffles me too, because people seem like they want and crave, you know, places to go and entertainment. And then once they have all these options, they're just like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I've noticed that. I've noticed that. Cause like, since I've, even since I've moved here, um, I've seen, uh, three venues closed in a year gosh that seems really a lot for drag specific venues um Mm -hmm. and that's that's heartbreaking to a degree i mean like it because it does it's really hard for people who want to try to do drag full-time because i try to do drag full-time here um and that that was also an issue like worried that the bar wasn't going to be open for longer than the next seven months yeah, no, uh, trust me. And I mean, uh, it's since Ember's closed and everything after that, it feels like drag queen bar, drag bars are few and far between. And bars that didn't have as much drag, like like Cece's, for example, mm-hmm. only had the Diva show. And then they tried to be literally, the only other drag presence they had was Bolivia hosting at night. And then they had just like their actual drag show was that one night. Rarely would you see a random show. Like occasionally some someone from the Rose Court would have an in and get like a drag show there. Or Madam would have... You know, Madam did her roast and they had that, but like rarely would there not be, there would be a show drag centric there, you know, not on a Sunday night. So I think that these places are opening up. I mean, Scandals, when they had their stage, was doing a lot of drag. And, you know, once they got rid of it, people stopped going, which is weird because Scandals is so like a hangout bar, but like, yet they craved drag. But then once they Mm -hmm. had it, they were like, we can't hear our friends or. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. I've heard people doing drag related things at Scandal, but I always thought it was a little funky. Um, because the it just seems like a hangout space. Yeah, they used to have like a weird stage thing. They did three years of Dragathon there. Um, and I mean, the the if you want to hear about bad dressing spaces, that was at one tiny private bathroom. That is what they used to get ready in. The worst though is the Sandy Hut where we got ready downstairs in the kitchen um, with uh, a sexual predator who was the cook. It was pretty, pretty wild. Oh, oh. wow. So what makes that different from any other dressing room in Portland? (laughs) (laughs) The kitchen's usually upstairs. The kitchen's separate now. The kitchen's separate. Mm, Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. I saw a moment. (laughs) Honey. Honey. Um, Yeah, so let me... um, because I know that we've been like, we've trapped Valerie in this conversation where she feels like it probably never will end. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I like literally saw, cause she's like, um, cause you guys can't see this, but we're doing this on Zoom. It's how we're recording this. And like the sun went down behind her. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, playing, my dog is restless. I've been wrestling her for a while too. So, um, so let's, I'm totally fine. Let's Talk wrap away. up with our, uh, our last two questions questions about competitions because obviously there was right. a reason that we did this mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I told you to talk about myself more go off on tangents well you know hey at least <laughs> it's not me talking about myself the whole time this time so it's nice to have a little bit of a change mm-hmm. it's true <laughs> right yes um, so um something i do want to ask because you know 
longevity, uh, we talked about it in venues. There isn't a lot of it. We also see from what, oh, at least from what we've learned from the people we know here that entertainers do come and go a lot in Portland, but you seem to be like this island of solitude almost where you just exist here constantly. What do you think is the main attribute to that where you've been able to just do this for so long and not like get washed away? Um, I think that it's, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think that it's just like, kind of like, you know, my interaction with the people in community, mm -hmm. like, you know, I always try to make sure to give people a Valerie moment, you know, come up that, you know, give them that, you know, as if Cruella just stumbled into their house and, you know, smacked them around and put a cigarette out in a cupcake and walks away, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I, I want, so I think that that helps. And, you know, I uh, start to get, you know, always really be committed to my performances. You know, I do drink a lot. I understand that. But like, mm -hmm. even about that, like, I think that it's really just like, you know, the entertainment that I provide, because I think people can see how passionate I am about like the stuff that I'm doing that like, I actually love doing this. Like I love, uh, you know, making people laugh and giving them that moment that distracts them, you know, if they're having a shitty day and, you know, this crazy Cruella looking drag queen comes up to them and, you know, she completely just like changes the way that they're thinking that day, like, because, it, and, you know, distracts them from that. Like, that's something that, like, I think that not many queens do in town, you know, they mm -hmm. kind of like stand off and they want to save all their energy for the stage, which is great. I love that. And then they channel the most, the best performance. Not everyone mm -hmm. can do that. But I think for me is like, kind of like I, one of those entertainers that is on the other side too. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like interact with everybody as a whole. And then when they get it, since I've interacted with everybody, they're excited to see me perform because they were like, oh, that's that drag queen. She was so funny and they get excited to see me. And then I can then shine and they get to see my passion for my art in that way too and then it kind of like creates that that cycle of them wanting to see more interact with me more come to my shows that type of thing right. so that's kind of why I think like I have that staying power yeah and it sounds like you really go out of your way to create an environment where everyone feels welcome to have a good time because you're right you do see it a lot especially at bars where there's a regular show you know every week or once a month or the entertainers, even if they're out and about, they do kind of stay off to themselves. They don't really engage with the patrons to really make them feel like that they're here for the experience. And I think that's something that's kind of almost a lost art form in the modernized world of drag. And it's really cool that uh, you still do that and teach it to other people. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like that digital, you know, they're so used to getting attention and interactions mm -hmm. on social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even remember the last time I took a selfie. So like, I'm the worst drag queen in that area. So <laughs> I think that a, a lot of times people are a little bit sh more shy, especially newer drag queens, you know, they're shy, they don't know what to say or what to do. So it just takes practice, like have a conversation with someone, you know, they're there to see you perform, like, what's it going to hurt, except for maybe give you a few more dollars when they tip you because they feel comfortable giving you their money, their hard-earned money, when they actually have a connection with someone rather than being like, oh, she death dropped, it's time to give her a dollar. Like, right. like, rather than like, you know, you go up there and do a song that you care about that no one's heard, but they're like, oh, wow, like that girl's so cool, I love this song now. Like, and then they tip you right. as well, so. Right. That is really awesome. That is super awesome. I have, I found that, um, like, because I know people out there, especially for our new fans, will probably, sorry, our new, listeners will probably wonder why it's important um like his stunts are great and all that other good stuff but that last part that valerie said was really important and impactful like sometimes you make your money from what you do before the show even starts like walking around the tables and communicating with people and making them feel comfortable like mm -hmm. 
one of the things about this online universe that we have is some people are watching because they've never been able to go to a drag show because they have really bad social anxiety. And some people can get there after a couple of cocktails, but when the show, before the show starts, when they have their first cocktail, it's nice when a drag queen comes over and they're friendly, funny, and, you know, be your character or whatever, but welcome someone to the experience of you. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of breaking that, almost breaking the fourth wall and like, you know, stepping outside and giving them that experience that maybe, you know, where like they were probably too intimidated. Like I get so many people like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. Can I have a picture? And it's like, no, goodbye. Then you actually get, you know what I mean? But, you yeah, know, just yeah. giving them that, that little extra, you know, extra, you know. Exactly. Because people, I mean, people like you, like, yeah, I mean, people don't come to a local drag show to just watch someone do something on stage. They could do that with any of the national tours they have. Now, even go to theater to see it. They really come for that experience where you can have that intimacy with the entertainers. Um, and it's something I want to see more people start bringing back in the productions, especially here in Portland, because uh, it's it's kind of lackluster in that department, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So I have so I have a prying question, Ms. Deville. Mm-hmm. Like, so do you, do you, and we can edit it out if you don't want to answer this question, but do you have a partner? Yeah, I do. He was in the background right before this started. But yeah, I do. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, he's um, very, well, I mean, there's a reason why he doesn't come out very often when he just, it's not his scene. Uh, but any times he has come out is he, since people don't know him, I mean, we'll be standing by each other and people will like wedge, they'll be like, oh, excuse me, hey, Valerie, and like start talking to him. <laughs> um, uh, and like, completely like push him out and stuff like that. And so um, he just kind of gets, he he's a Scorpio, so he's not the type to just like stand there and hold my handbag. Mm, um, sure. He'd rather drop me off and pick me up. And then like the last draw was one time, I was maybe drunk and I called him and asked him to come get me. And then these nice gentlemen I was talking to outside were kind enough to get me a cab. And as I'm getting in the cab, he of course arrived and he was like, okay, we'll come in my car. And then of course the gentleman tried to jump him and we're like, leave her alone. And like tried to come to my rescue. Um, and he didn't appreciate that. I wonder I why. I was, I, was, I, was, I was incoherent. And it's like, and they were like, is this your boyfriend? And I was like, are you guys my boyfriend? And then oh my just God. like, it's, so there's a reason why um, he is, he's aloof. Aloof. And, and no one. And he's, and he's all mine. Oh. <laughs> That's really interesting oh, I get that. with that because with drag, drag queens, usually they come in three varieties. The ones who can't maintain a relationship, the ones who do, and they're constantly involved with the entire process, the ones who are completely standoffish. So it's always interesting to see where everyone kind of falls within that spectrum. And I kind of pay you for the one they'd be constantly involved with, but it's interesting to see that they're on the other end of that spectrum. I think that, you know, he's seen me perform and, you know, Valerie is, I mean, Valerie as a character is, you know, a single mother of three awful drag children and she is constantly looking for multiple husbands because wallets. Uh, So, I mean, like, it's kind of like, you know, my character can sometimes maybe be a little off-putting to someone because she is not in a relationship. So, you know, where some people carry their relationship into their character, like my character, Valerie, she's always going to be, you know, a widow and she's always going to be on a man eater. Like that's just kind of like how I've created the character and mm-hmm. her all of a sudden being some sort of church mom, I'd probably internally combust. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I do catch on so fire good. as well when I go in churches. So you're not alone. <laughs> oh, trust me. The only reason I was there was for funerals. <laughs> good. 
Wow, that's good. That wit I, is good. I, I love like her the wit. alcohol at the church personally. It tastes better, just like my soul. I mean, yummy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so as that's we right. get to the end of our video here, sorry, sorry video, um, our podcast here. So what is something that you want the fans to know about Valerie DeVille? It can be something that is something a lot of people don't know or something that you think is exciting or just something about your character. Because, like, your character is very realized. Like, um, and so, obviously, like, I even said when we first started this podcast that I had actually never seen Valerie out of drag. Um, (laughs) I was super (laughs) confused who was on the video. Um, So what's something you would want people to know about you? Um, you know, I think that there's definitely, like, a difference between, like, the person that I, like, am outside of this versus, like, the Valerie. The humor, the sound of the voice is going to be the same. I can't change my cartoony voice. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'm always going to sound, well, I mean, I probably purposely started to sound like this, and it just stuck this way. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, that there, that, you know, you can, that, you know, art is your form of escapism and becoming Valerie is my form of escapism where, you know, I can live this like, you know, wonderful fantasy that I love and, you know, express my art and all that stuff, but then still be, you know, an actual nice person, you know, Valerie wouldn't describe this like the sweetest, but, you know, I think that a lot of people, once they get to know me, um, they actually really get to know that like, you know, I'm not like this. I think initially meeting people, people are intimidated by me, um, which is what I probably have put up on purpose with my character. But, you know, once people get to know me, unfortunately, they find out that I am a nice person. They find out that I do care about people and that, you know, I've continued doing drag more so not just like because I love it, but I love helping other drag queens, you know, find their voice and have a, a, a place to perform and get the opportunities that I never got uh, in that like I had to work so so hard for that I feel like it shouldn't be that hard for you know emerging drag performers to get to you know the thought of performing weekly at CC Slaughter's like 10 years ago was a dream that I would have and you know being a new drag performer getting to that I think is a great opportunity that I feel like is now my purpose is to give these queens you know, places that they don't normally get to perform or they haven't performed a safe space, you know, drag dangerous into the last lap or, you know, with the future of whatever Supreme Queen ends up being is giving people the opportunity to be seen, show their art in a variety of way, you know, seeing a queen one time perform is way different than seeing a, you get to know someone versus like, you know, you can see one performance where like, that's great, but that could be that queen's only performance that she does over and over and over again. And that's not, and you get tired of her mm-hmm. versus if you see someone every single week, you get to see their soul. They have to do something. They have to be creative. And I, that's what I love is seeing, you know, new people grow. That's really awesome. Are there, um, because we are coming to the end here, are there any entertainers, either new entertainers or people who do something for, to help new entertainers you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, Yeah, for sure. I would definitely say, you know, my girls at the Drag Danger Zone, Miss Aurora and um, Marla Darling, they do a wonderful job. You know, they really find these people. uh, When I say these names of people who went through the Drag Danger Zone, like, you know, Loretta, Sue, Claire, they were found by Marla and Aurora, not me. Uh, you know, I was just hosting the show. So they have found some really great stars. Uh, another person is Ms. Ananej and uh, Bolivia and Honey, of course, my mom. Uh, they've all given people, you know, those opportunities at CC's. Um, even though we don't have the best relationship now, Poison Waters, uh, you know, she really has given, you know, she always, she gave me a lot of great advice as a young queen. 
um, and really inspired me and gave me compliments and like getting compliments from her like felt like, you know, butter, you know, just glisten, gliding down your throat, like nothing better. So, I mean, you know, those, there's some of those great, great inspiring queens, Courtney Capri Dove. Uh, she was one of my faves. Um, you know, I was, she was one that like, you know, I intimidate people, but Courtney kind of intimidated me, but like we have this connection and like, you know, um, every time I see her, we just have the best time and I absolutely love her and I love what she does. And so, you know, there are people that I, I admire. Absolutely awesome. And then uh, we'll be sure to tag them for our after clip. Uh, so everyone can go find them on Instagram. Um, but I think that's everything, Coco. Does you have anything else you want to yeah. talk about? No, I think I'm good. This has been a great opportunity to get to know the one and only Valerie DeVille. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, seriously, Portland's premier roaster queen. We actually didn't talk about that, but P- Valerie does get invited as like the premier, like if you're going to have a roast, <laughs> Valerie's going to be there because she's awful. <laughs> I, I am the roast ringer for sure. Like if you're going to have a roast, you should have me there so people at least can, you know, have that. I will say, Coco, you are your your talents and Touche's. I mean, Touche made me want to cry at um, Brittany Ons Rose. Like, when she, <laughs> she read my family for filth, and it was just like, oh my god, she she totally saw the dead the deadness inside of us, and it was just like, these, how dare these children? So, I mean, you guys have your own skills for sure, but. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Cooking Up a Queen. Make sure guys to follow Valerie on her social medias. It's uh, Valerie DeVille, I believe, on your Instagram. Can you shout out your handle? Um, It's the Valerie DeVille. The Valerie DeVille. Yep, and DeVille spelled like the Cadillac, not the demon. I love that. I never even noticed that until now. Thank you for pointing it out. I'm on painkillers right now, so I'm like so out of it in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been a wonderful another episode of Cooking Up a Queen. Our outro thing is going to start playing here in a second. But please, thank you so much for Valerie Deville for being on. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Valerie. Bye, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of Cooking Up a Queen. If you would like to be featured or place an ad, please email coco at thecdsdrag.com. Cooking Up a Queen is brought to you by The CD Studio. All topics discussed are opinions of the hosts that are not by any means reflected by The CD Studio or its affiliates. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Cooking Up a Queen is owned exclusively by The CD Studios. This podcast is executive produced by John Williams and Alistair Eliano. Original cover art and soundtrack provided by Alistair Eliano. Dubbed and mixed by John Williams.